Saravica, and you are listening to the Atomic Podcast, where he blows at the news in a verbal yeah. scale. It's the Atomic Podcast, produced by the E, the HNIC, repping New York City, live and direct, cause he always come correct, when he does an interview, it makes the streets all connect, he stimulates the brain, the mobile device, and what smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice, it's all about the news when he drops and beats home, so pay close attention, shit's about to explode. Ladies and gentlemen, actor, writer, Keith Sarabaika. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and director. I just directed a play at uh, the theater that I run, uh, Ensemble Studio Theater in Los Angeles. It was a big hit. It was called Watching OJ. It actually made money, which is unheard of in, in the 99-seat theater. Actually, ours is a 50-seat theater, but it was a brand-new play and um, uh, was set in a, a, a small, white-owned dry cleaners in a mixed but mostly African-American neighborhood in Los Angeles on uh, the day back in 1995, October 3rd, when the uh, uh, O.J. Simpson uh, murder trial verdicts were announced. This is your first time directing, or you directed before? Yeah, I know, it's first time. Well, I mean, I've directed stage readings before, and, uh, you know, uh, mostly in my own plays, but there's some other people's plays, and, uh, and I directed a, a space of opera spoof, uh, which was like a late night thing that we did last year that was really fun, called In Search of Dog, because the lead character was dyslexic, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, but uh, anyway, that was fun. You know, that was sort of an ongoing serial that we did. We did three episodes of it. And uh, which sounds like, doesn't sound like a lot, but I can tell you it's a lot. Uh, uh, but, but this, no, this was a, a full stage production and uh, got really great notices and we've uh, been nominated for a lot of awards. So I'm, I'm, I feel... Uh, I feel very gratified because I fought for it for four years to be done. How does directing differ? You know, I'm a director and producer, so. You uh, know. Oh, how does directing differ? Uh, co artistic director as well, you know. Yeah. How does it differ differ from writing and acting? Um, what's the how? Which one is more? It's very, it's very different because uh, in acting, you know, you you. you it's not that it's not that much different from acting. I mean, in that, well, it's different in that you're you're kind of above the fray and you're watching everything happen rather than being in the middle of things, you know. And so, as a director, you see what's going down and you and you kind of try to develop it and and then and, and then give it some shape and form. Uh, whereas as an actor, you basically are trying to you know fill the the space provided for your character and, and bring it to life. Whereas as a director, you're bringing the entire thing to life. You know, everything that shows up on stage, uh, or, or on film for that matter, um, is a uh, is, is is as a result of the director making a choice. You know, so it's kind of the difference. Whereas as an actor, you're more of you're, you're more an ingredient. Whereas uh, as a uh, as a director, you're more of the chef. Mm, okay. Well, take me back a little bit. I know you're from um, Oak Park, Illinois, correct? Well, I was born there, but yeah, I'm actually from Summit, Illinois, which is a small town, uh, just to the small blue-collar suburb of Chicago, just to the south of Oak Park, but we didn't have a hospital. Oak Park had the hospital. Uh-huh. And uh, then I moved to Arlington Heights, Illinois, when I was 16, and uh, I moved into the city uh, when I was 19 and, and began working at the Organic Theater. Wow. of Chicago. Well, so, um, so you left home at 19? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I was still in Chicago. I mean, I, yeah. I went away for, to college for a semester in uh, Trinity University in Texas and had, you know, a wonderful time there. It was a, on a theater scholarship. And, uh, and then uh, I came back and 
that I had for a couple summers working in, uh, in construction materials analysis, and I ended up uh, uh, going down to the organic. I saw I, I, actually what I saw is I saw a production of uh, of uh, Death of a Salesman at Arlington Park Theater that was starring Jack Ward, and I was so moved by it that I was there with one of my teachers. I was there with the, my sister and with a, a good buddy of mine, and I dropped them all off and drove down at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday night in June because I decided I just didn't want to end up like half a fifth. And um, so I ended up at the Organic Theater and uh, the show was just letting out. It was, it was almost like I was taken there in a dream. I suddenly woke up and I'm standing in front of this theater going, oh my God, how did I get here? I have to stop smoking pot. I really I, I can't, can't do it And so I'm laying, sitting here, pounding my, I'm banging my head against this light bulb right in front of the theater letting out. This is a body politic theater, which is a small, off-loop theater. And, and this show, Warp, was letting out. And I, I hadn't seen it yet. I'd heard that it had been really good. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I really, I just, I've got to get, I've got to really straighten up. And this guy suddenly taps me on the shoulder and says, can I help you? Well, and it turned, it's a whole long story, but it turned out that he was an actor in the show. And I'd actually seen him do something uh, in Poe and in another play that The Organic had done the year before while I was still in high school. And I'd become a, very, a big aficionado of The Organic Theater and of uh, sort of the Lincoln Avenue Theater scene in general, which also included the original production of Grease, which I also saw when I was still in high school, and which was very different than the Broadway production, I can tell you that. The, the, one of the main differences was that in the Broadway production, that this little electric car that drove around in circles on the stage and was really cute. Whereas in the Chicago production, they actually drove, I think it was a 53 Chevy, into the theater, slammed the door shut, and it fell off. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Wow. But anyway, and I ended up meeting her, uh, and I, 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 I ended up getting asked to audition for the for, for, for war because uh, it turned out that John Hurd was thinking of leaving, who was doing it at the time, and um, so they wanted to replace him, and they ended up hiring me, and then John decided he didn't want to leave, uh, which is, I'm, John's been a good friend of mine for 40-some years now, you know, yeah. and uh, I ended up being his understudy, you know, and uh, I did a lot of uh, small parts in, in, in Warp, you know, uh, and we ended up showing to Broadway. I actually did it on Broadway more times than John did it because he got an asthma attack after opening night, and I oh, pretty wow. much finished off the show. <laughs> wow, he had an asthma attack? It only ran, it only ran seven performances. Oh, man. Oh, so you definitely have a... A definite passion for the theater, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was I was doing it in high school. I, uh, yeah. My junior and senior year in high school at John Hersey High School was, uh, was pretty much given over to that. You know, once I was uh, saved from being a juvenile delinquent, you know, by uh, being suspended from school because I was cutting French class because it was too boring. And, uh, <laughs> and they gave me the, uh, they, and one of the dean of students called my parents' house. I pretended I was my dad. You know, and and, 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 and and took the call, and uh, that was that was probably the real beginning of my acting career. Um, and then I ended up um, uh, they, they, when I went back to school after being suspended, I I, I they they said, well, I, you should probably drop French because you're going to flunk it." And I go, "Okay, that's fine by me." And uh, they said, "Well," and I said, "What other classes are available?" And it turned out uh, there was an acting class available, a drama class available. You know that I could take, and I went. I'll, I'll try that because I I had done it at the uh, Jesuit uh, boarding school I, I'd attended previously, and had some success there. And 
<laughs> by Edward Albee in my sophomore year. But um, and, and anyway, I I, uh, I said okay, I'll do that, you know, and uh, and I did, and, you know, and you know, see, you have to understand, I went to boarding school when I was seven, so I from, from when I was seven years old in third grade until I was the middle of my junior year in, in high school, I went to school with all boys. I never, and and suddenly when I was in this drama class at, at this public high school in Arlington Heights, Illinois, I was presented with females as part of my life, which became kind of astounding to me and, and very motivating, I have yeah. to say, you know. Uh, and, uh, and, and I stayed in that acting class and I actually have, uh, I, I, but I was still too kind of, I was, I was shy, I guess, but I, I loved the acting class and I had fun and they, all, all the girls were always asking me to do scenes with them because I was kind of hunky and jockey at the time and a little crazy. Mm. And, uh, and I, and I belonged to this, uh, group called the Rap Patrol, which was not a gang, but we were sort of, we were the fun party people and, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the school truant officer nicknamed us all the Rat Patrol, you know, and uh, so I was part of that, And but I got saved from being part of that by, 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 by combat. They were, they were having a, uh, auditions for, uh, as my, my junior year, uh, they were having uh, auditions for uh, uh, the, 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 the musical, the spring musical, and they were doing Maine, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that, you know. And suddenly, I, you know, I would go through the drama, on my way to my drama class, I'd go through the, 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 the backstage area and see, and I was looking, oh my God, look, there's a cast list. Well, it's used cast. And, and, and I was cast as one of the dancers in Maine because the, 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 the sort of head student dancer had decided that I was going to be in it whether I liked it or not. And <laughs> Judy Gustafson. So I, from then on, I, I have been in a play or a movie or a TV or looking for work in a play or movie or TV ever since. Yeah. I was 17 years old then. Yeah. Wow. So like early, like you said, early on in life doing the plays at 17, you already had this career goal straight ahead, correct? Oh yeah. And then, and then I became, it sort of became my, my personal repertory company. I, I, I won the Best Actor Award at the end of my junior year doing uh, Murray Burns and A Thousand Clowns. And, you know, I, I then the, the, the following year, I, I did Grandpa Vanderhoff and A Man for All Seed and then uh, Not a Man in uh, You Can't Take It With You. And uh, I did uh, uh, Sir Thomas Moore in uh, Man for All Seasons and won another Best Actor Award there. And then I did uh, Finian in uh, Finian's Rainbow and I won the Senior Dramatics Award, you know. So I was sort of, and then I got a, uh, you know, out of that all, I, I got a, uh, uh, you know, a scholarship to go to Trinity University, which was run by a man named Paul Baker, the drama department, and who also ran the Dallas Theater Center. And so I actually and took this wonderful class there called uh, Integration of Abilities, uh, which in which every three weeks you did, you wrote a poem, you wrote plays, you wrote music, you made sculpture, you did uh, movement exercise, you did like a dance thing. And it was, it was like, well, just to get you in touch with your, uh, your creative impulse, you know, and um, it, it was the best class I ever took for anything, I'll be honest with you, because it really taught me how to find that sort of secret little impulse inside and, and then help it grow, you know, into something else. Yeah. Um, what? And then I ended up at the organic, as I told you, I, right yeah. after when I was home from there, and then and Warp ended up going to Broadway, and it crashed and burned on Broadway, but, you know, I was hooked from then on. Wow. Um, what or who was your biggest inspiration to become an actor? Who was my biggest 
Yeah, what or who? Like, yeah. Nobody. Nobody. And, uh, oh, wow. There was no. There was no like. Oh, I want to be you know John Wayne or I want to <laughs> be Kurt Douglas or yeah, it was nothing like that. I just wow. really liked. I liked acting. I just liked doing plays. I liked I liked the whole world in the theater. You know, I, I was raised a Catholic, and you know, I was an altar boy when I was in third grade. I learned the math in both Latin and in English, and it was just. A, and I was also an officer in military school, so I was always. Wow, so he was always busy. He was always around. I I, I got the scholarship to Trinity University, and I took the class. You know, uh, and I, I I already said all that, and uh, and then uh, I. I went into audition for the organic theater and got hired and it went to Broadway and popped out Broadway but after that I was kind of hooked and it was like okay this is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and I went to the University of Chicago while I was at the organic but uh, I didn't graduate but I, I, I really enjoyed my time at the University of Chicago I I loved it there you know but uh, I was also working in the theater at the same time we traveled to New York and uh, California and uh, uh, at Amsterdam and London you know during that time toward the American Midwest and the uh, and the American West uh, during that time. So, you know, I, I, it was kind of hard to stay in school, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, uh, what do you want to ask? Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, also, um, is there any particular, like, hobbies and sports you're involved in besides, you know, um, when, when, you're, when you have your downtime, is there anything you like to do? Well, there are many things that I like to do. I'm a very good cook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so 18 years, I've been uh, I've coached my uh, my sons in uh, both baseball and uh, and soccer, and uh, I, I played you know softball for a long time up until a few years ago, and it's like I started going, you know, I think that was for me. I, I, I used to be a ringer in, in Central Park, you know, I played a lot, and uh, you know, and I, I played on teams for years, so and I, I love the game and. Uh, that's one of the things I, I also do mountain biking uh, and I uh, I have an advanced open water certification in scuba diving I actually got my son wow. uh, certified a couple years ago yeah wow that's amazing um um also um what are what are, um you know you also do voiceover work and you do so many video game work and um um, also TV shows, um, for the, for the video game work, um, does it take a lot out of you, out of your voice, or is it something that's really uh, fun? It, dep- it depends on the job, you know, if there's a lot of Halloween, some of them are, are there's a lot of Halloween screaming, and yeah, it does take a lot out of you, you know, uh, orcs are difficult to, 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 to do, <laughs> you know, I've played a couple orcs, and those are kind of hard, because yeah. uh, they're, you know, uh, and, um, and, uh, and 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 marine sergeants are tough too, you know. Tough sergeants on the uh, on the battlefield. I, I've done a few of those. Those can be really tough, you know, on your voice. Uh, but I also do, you know, things that aren't so tough, and, and I, I really I really enjoy it. The uh, video game work, and uh, you know, I've done I don't know about eighty games, I think. Uh, three of which I've done motion capture on. Uh, uh, Dead space. Yeah. Um, also, in um, cartoon voiceover work, you've done a lot of those. Um, do you have a lot of fun with that? 
Yeah, when I when I get it, I, you know, you go through different periods, and it's like they hire you for everything, and suddenly they they don't hire you for a while. So yeah, I don't I, I, I have no I have no rhyme or reason as to why that happens. And I don't know, maybe I suck, so who knows? I you know, but it's like I go, okay, you know, they, I get hired, I don't get hired, and it goes, you know, I do a lot of audio book narration now. Yeah, you know, that's and which I really enjoy. You know, uh, it's hard work, but I I really like it. Yeah, is it is it on um, the audio books? Is it um, books that you're involved in? What do you mean books that I'm involved? Like, is it books that you would read yourself? Some are, yeah. But yeah. Mostly they're books that they that they ask me to to look at that I've not read before. They're new books, almost every one, you know. And it's you know you just get asked to do it, and most of you know I do some I do a lot of science fiction. I do a lot of sort of uh, noir, sort of detective fiction, you know. I do a lot of nonfiction too, though, so it's it's interesting. I do a lot of a lot of political stuff, stuff that has to do with the mob and things like that, and you know, American politics. Uh, um, how would you describe yourself, Keith? Keith? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I, I I have no idea how I would describe myself. <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm an actor, a writer. A, I'm sort of an autodidact. I'm a, I'm a father, first of all. Yes. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a coach, you know, uh, although I'm not kind of beyond that. My, my sons are 21 and 17, mm. although I still uh, supervise the Little League, which they played, you know, mm. so I'm still kind of involved there because a lot of my friends are still there with their younger children. Um, and I, you know, I just, uh, I'm a guy who enjoys life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of enjoying life, um, what is your own personal motto in life? What is my own personal motto in life? Yeah. I I wouldn't even know how to answer that. I don't know what that means. I do what I do what I I do what I think is right, you know. Yeah. I do what I think feels right and I do what I think is right, hopefully. I I try to lead a moral life, but I also try to lead a fun life, you know. Everything in moderation, including moderation, right? Yeah. I see. Um, besides, um, you know, all, all the shows you've done, the cartoons, um, the video games, and the TV shows. Um, is um, speaking of TV shows, you was on um, a season of Angel, and you played a character of Daniel Holtz. Um, how was how was um, that? How was that like playing a first of all a vampire hunter and a period piece? You know, because it was set. I loved it. Yeah, I think I think Daniel Holtz may be one of my favorite characters I ever did. You know, anything because I got to wear you know like a weird duster. I got I had a big hat for a while. Yeah. I had a sword. I had a crossbow. I got to ride a horse. I got to talk with an English accent. You know, uh, I got to I got to dust vampires. Uh, it, I had so much, and I had great things to say. You know? Yeah, for two hundred years I dreamt to this moment. Wow! <laughs> well, you can pull out the voice I, out of I, I nowhere. <laughs> I said, oh, you can pull out the voice out of nowhere. That's amazing. Years, I dreamt of nothing but this moment. I love, I love that character. That was a great character. That character and uh, Daniel Holtz and uh, and uh, and Daniel Holtz and Daniel Holtz and Daniel Holtz and Daniel and 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 the old guy that I played, uh, Alan Williams and the Stephen King's The Golden Years. Yes, yes. The old man who got younger. Yeah. Those, those are real challenges, but they were they were really fun. Yeah. You know, and and it, you know, both of them actually had something similar in that. The uh, Harlan Williams, I had to do 10 hours of makeup, you know, uh, uh, every day that I was shooting. 
enough. And then at the end, for for uh, for the last three episodes I did of, uh, of Angel, <laughs> they beat Holton to like a, I used to call him the 100,000 year old man. You know, <laughs> it was like, he, he went into the court office and came back, I don't know, looked kind of like a meteorite. You know? <laughs> oh man, I guess that's... <laughs> I guess that's the worst part, right? The whole makeup part of it is just just, just like the worst well, part. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it, you know, you make a lot of extra money because you, you have, you know, they, they, they've learned when you have makeup parts like that that they don't bring you in at 7 a.m. when the crew comes in. They bring you in at 2 a.m. So when the crew comes in at 7 a.m., you can go out and rehearse and they set up all the cameras and then you go back and... Cause, so I, my, my days would go... I'd have 24-hour days as a, as a rule, you know, with uh, with Harlan Williams and with and with Holmes at the end. You know, they were they were long days, you know. But uh, so you make extra money, you know. But it's, and it's also fun. You know, I I like playing characters. I've always liked playing characters. I like playing things different from myself, which is one of the reasons why I liked Holmes so much and why I liked Harlan Williams so much. You know, I, I like doing things like accents and having a different physicality and stuff. It's, it makes it fun. You know? yeah. It makes it hard, but it makes it fun. Also, um, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, and you was recently on Star Wars Rebels. Um, how was that experience working yeah. on that show? It was fun. I liked the character a lot. All the, all the guys were great. I'd actually, uh, um, I, you know, I, I, I'd known, uh, oh my God, Greg Wiseman, who uh, was uh, one of the writers, I worked for him on um, a couple of things before. Uh, one was Max Steel, I believe. He yeah. may have been Godzilla as a cartoon, and uh, and he, you know, had this gig. You know, it's like I—it's been a recurring character. I've been in—I don't know, maybe half a dozen times. You know, mm -hmm. but it was—I I liked my character, the Godzilla Bizarro, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. Um. Um do, um. do you like the storyline that's going on with Star Wars Rebels, which it looks like it might coincide with the movies? Well, that was. I think you know. I can't really address that. Um, okay. Because they don't like they don't like me to talk about things like that. But what I what I can say is that uh, uh, that was one of the original intents was that uh, that that they would have sort of a, a, a full court press with everything that they were doing games with the cartoons and with the movies but they would all be somehow tied in together now beyond that i really can't say oh, oh well, well yeah, it, it, yeah um it does seem like it you know um as a fan I just definitely want everything just to be as one because, like, with the Star Wars, you know, the comics and it's canon with the with the cartoons and the films. Like, there's there's so much there's there's so much um like a whole connection with all the Star Wars um stuff that's out, you know. So it it, it um, you know it, it's it's. Well, I, I think you're right. I think I think that is their intent. I can't really say what yeah. their intent is because I don't know. You know, they, they, they don't confide in me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got you. Also, um... I'm, I just work for it. Yeah. <laughs> You're there to get your... You get to get a check and do do what you have to do, basically. Oh, I, I like to have... I like to do it well. Yes. I, you know, consider just punching a time clock. I, yeah. I enjoy what I do. And I, I try to apply whatever artistry I have to, to what I do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's like... That, that, that's, that's not my... That's not my job, you know. And yeah. that, to, Oh, this is where it goes, or the, where is it going, or what does this mean? Mm. My job is to get there and you know hit 
my marks and say my lines, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, what are, like, um, what do you feel as an actor, um, you get, um, a lot of respect from, you know, people out there, like, you know, you know how some people put actors on top of a pedestal, do you feel that, you know, like, how, like, how the fans treat you, like, if they see you in the street, do they go crazy, or they're very calm? Yeah. No, you know, people are very calm, they usually they're... They're very quiet. If they recognize who I am, they'll like they'll be dealing with like I'll be at a bar or something. The bartender will look at me and go, "I, I, I know who you are," you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, but, but that's that's pretty much how it is, you know. And I don't go to many fan conventions. I mean, I, I basically go to the one in England because I'm invited there, you know, by by Sean Harry who runs Star Fury. Mm. So I go there, you know, and uh, I only go places that I get invited and I get paid to go. Because I don't go and look, I don't go and look for fan conventions. I those things are too crazy for me. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Comic Con. I would go to Comic Con if I was invited, but I, if I'm not invited, I'm not going to go there on my own. You know. Uh, uh, well, hopefully you get invited right. one day because I think that's an experience you would like. Maybe you know. Yeah. I know I wouldn't like being lost in the crowd. So, <laughs> you know. Trust me, trust me, though, when you're in a Comic-Con, it'll be easy for you to go get something to eat and go to the bathroom, because everybody's just at awe looking at all the things, all the toys that are there, so it'll be easy for you to get away. Right, right, well, yeah, that, well, I, I, I just, I'd just be worried that they wouldn't know who I was, you Yeah. Know? No, I'm, I'm sure they definitely will know who you are, you know, a lot of... A lot of fans do a lot of research, and you know, even if they don't know you by face, they know your voice from shows. So a lot of people definitely do their research. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'll go to ones that I get invited to come to. You know. Yeah. So that's. Um, no invite, I don't go. You know, like <laughs> people go, oh, you should just go. You should just go to Comic Con. Just hang out. I go. Nah, nah. I wouldn't bet on. I wouldn't bet your mother on it. Let me put it that way. You know? <laughs> uh, um, um, in your opinion now, um, um, I don't want to talk political because that's not my forte, but um, what's your what's your views on the whole um, Republican and um, Democrats, you know, the, the, um, the um, basically the debates that are going on? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, a, I think it's a, the Republican Party has come to a sad state, and it's the end result of, you know, forty. It's you know began with the Nixon Southern strategy, you know, after the Goldwater debacle in nineteen sixty four, and it continued on, you know, through uh, you know with Ronald Reagan uh, trying to appeal to Blue Party, which he did. The blue-collar Democratic uh, sort of union-type workers, you know, who felt uh, disenfranchised by the great society, you know, and I think that for the last 40, almost 50 years, the Republican Party has, uh, you know, been preaching, uh, you know, to those sort of the lowest common denominator, you know, and then to me, what's happened to the Republicans is that what was once the party of, of, of free enterprise and fiscal responsibility has become the party of uh, racism, um, sexism, and ignorance. Yeah. You know, and I think the Democrats have actually had a substantial debate, you know, which I, I, I applaud them for. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm actually a big fan of both of the Democrats. You know, I, 
something Michael Bernie has to say, and uh, and I actually think that Hillary would probably be a good president. I think that the calumny that the uh, she's been painted with over the last twenty years by the Republicans, and in particular conservatives in general, you know, is just that it's a, it's, a, it's a big lie by Joseph Goebbels. You know, he said if you tell a lie loud enough and long enough, it becomes the truth, mm-hmm. and that's what's happened. You know, suddenly everyone thinks that Hillary. Clinton isn't uh, isn't reliable, isn't trustworthy, and it's bullshit. Yeah. No, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, yeah. Keith, um, I mean, you, would you trust Donald? You trust Donald Trump before you trust Hillary Clinton? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm just surprised that Donald Trump has so much supporters. I'm I'm just at awe. That I'm afraid. I, I'm. I'll be honest. With you, I'm afraid of that too. You know, and yeah. it's like people didn't take him seriously. They said, "Oh, he can't pass. He's just a, he's just doing this for for whatever his ego." Well, he's doing it for real now. You know, and it's he's gonna. I mean, I barring some sort of last minute, you know, uh, uh, sort of October surprise, he's gonna win. You know, the the, the Republican nomination hands down. There, there's there's nobody to stand up to him. You know, in the Republican Party, and now the Republican, you know, sort of powers that be are trying to. You know, try an, an anti-Trump movement, but there, it's too little and too late. And uh, frankly, you know, he's the culmination of the last forty-five years of their pandering to, uh, you know, to the lowest common denominator in, in politics. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's it's such it's such a shame, though. You know, and then you know, seeing seeing his speeches and the melee that usually goes on in his speeches, and it's just uh, it's just hard to describe. It's just hard to describe. Do I think he's Adolf Hitler? No. You know, do I think, I don't even think he's Benito Mussolini. <laughs> I think maybe he's Silvio, I think he's maybe Silvio Berlusconi, yeah. you know, uh, who uh, ran Italy for, what, nine or ten years and was on and out, was getting indicted constantly and had his Uga Uga, Uga, Uga girl party. You know, I'm looking forward to the Uga Uga girl parties myself. I hope yeah. I get invited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, I think that Donald Trump is actually going to, you know, I mean, he's following, he's actually following the classic Republican uh, nominee strategy of in the primaries, you run as far to the right as possible because those are the people who vote in Republican primaries. You know, the people who are, who are uh, most rabid, you know, I'm sorry to say, but they're, they're the ones who are, you know, most intensely involved in whatever issues are at hand. Yeah. You know, from abortion to you know to to to, to immigration, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, and but then when you come when you come back to the main, to the to the general election, um, they have to run as close to the center as possible, or they can't get elected. Yeah. You know? um, all right. On. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. You know, waiting like everybody else, just to see what's going to transpire. You know, this up couple, a few more months ahead. Well, what's going to transpire is he's going to get the nomination unless that they, 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 they steal it from the Republicans, yeah. and then it's going to become. I mean, it's going to. It'll probably get and Bernie as much as I like him. I don't. I don't see him winning the nomination in the Democratic Party. I. I, I think that Hillary is going to win it, uh, and it'll be. I mean, if you had if you had Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump as your nominees, you know, for uh, on the you know Democratic and, and Republican uh, parties respectively, that would be as about as, about as 
giant beacons at, at either end, you know, who would be sending out, it would, it would, it would be wild, you know, and I, I worry that, that Hillary would be able to stand up to him in a, uh, you know, to Trump in a, in, you know, in a debate, but, uh, I mean, she, she did very well when she was called in front of the Senate for that fucking idiotic Benghazi thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, she did very well, you know, and it's like, the Benghazi is another trumped up thing. I mean, it's terrible that those four people died, you know, but that, 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 it wasn't her personal fault. You know, I mean, the, the, that's a total calamity. You know, the, the, there was no way that anyone was going to get there in time to save them. And, and you know, the, Libyan, the American Libyan ambassador shouldn't have gone to Benghazi. He, he went there, you know, without without the proper bodyguards. And it was in a state of flux. Yeah. And I don't want to believe him because I think he was a great guy. He was actually one of our four, foremost Arab, you know, uh, uh, experts. And it spoke Arabic, uh, so it's a, it's a great loss. And he was actually, I know, by, from what I've read, you know, I don't know personally, but I know from what I've read that he was a personal friend of, of Hillary Clinton's. And, you know, she grieved terribly at his loss. You know, but do, do, do we want to indict any, but, you know, the Republicans want her indicted for this? Okay, but so should we go back and indict, you know, uh, George W. Bush and, and, and Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld for what happened on 9-11? Was that their fault? Three thousand people died then, and they were warned a month in advance that something was going to happen. You know, Bin Laden poised to strike in the United States with a memorandum in the first week of August. You know, and is going to use possibly you know hijacked airliners to do it. Yeah, that's that's fact. You know, so let's talk reality here. You know, you're right. Why why would you indict it? You know. It's, it's just bullshit, you know. I have Republican friends who say to me, oh, I love Bill. I love Bill Clinton. I said, yeah, you guys loved him so much that back in 1998 you impeached him. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, there's a lot of pollen in the air here today, and I, yeah. my nose is running terribly. Oh, how is how is the weather by you, by the way? Beautiful. It was gorgeous today. Just gorgeous. Perfect. It was in, you know, uh, the 40s, 50s, beautiful sunshine. It was, it's been raining here for the last few, few days, so it's, you know, it's the, but that's Vancouver, you know, it, it rains here a lot. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's been gorgeous here the last couple of months. Yesterday rained, today it didn't, tomorrow it's supposed to be nice, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, a couple of more questions. What, yeah, sure, go ahead. I said just a couple of more questions before I let you go. Um, what movie are you looking forward to in 2016, comic book related wise? None. Uh, I, uh, uh, I actually want to go see Deadpool. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't had a chance. I may go see it tomorrow or something or Sunday. Uh, I, I, I have lost interest in what's going on. It's, it's like, back, I used to be a big comic book fanatic when I was, when I was young. I read all sorts of stuff, you know. And, um, and then when they started getting into like, you know, like what they're doing now, with, 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 you know, Superman versus Batman, I just go, I, 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 I hate it. I, I actually, and I love Ben Affleck. He's a wonderful guy. I work for him, you know, and he's a terrific, actually he's a really good actor and he's a terrific director. Mm-hmm. And the nicest guy imaginable, and very smart, and very conscientious. Mm-hmm. But and it's not his fault. It's just it's it's just it's, it's a fucking stupid.
Yeah. It's stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're, and, they're, and right now, it's, it's, it's more oversaturated. There's too many comic book movies. I'm sorry. And yeah. I'm a comic book fan. There's too much Marvel stuff. There's too much DC stuff. It's like, you know, I, I can tell you the last, and it's not just because I was in it, but the last really good comic book movie I thought was The Dark Knight. Yeah. And that was because of Heath Ledger's amazing performance in it. And, and, and Christopher Nolan's direction, of course. You know, yeah. but it was, you know, that was to me the last really good comic book movie. And, you know, I, I Joss Whedon did a great job with Avengers, you know, and, and but it, I, it, it sort of, it's gotten to be too much. I'm sorry. You know. Yeah. You, so you you think it's over? Like you said you think it's um oversaturated now with the comic book. Movie? I think it, I think it's oversaturated. I think people are and I think people are rejected. I mean, it may make money, you know, because people just it's it's gotten terrible reviews. You know, Batman versus Superman or whatever it's called. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it just is. You, know, you just can't. I just don't, I don't get it. Just because you have Batman and Superman and you can put them in the same movie, why would you do that? Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, and then, and then on top of it, we got Wonder Woman too. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, they're probably, I think they're putting, yeah, they're putting everybody into one movie because I think they're just trying to catch up to Marvel. They're trying to just put all their eggs in one basket and then just branch them out. I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, but I, I, and I think that's a bad strategy, I'll be yeah. honest. I, I, you know, but, you know, I may prove to be wrong because it may make billions of dollars. You know, we'll see. Uh, it just, it, 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 to me, it, it shows a lack of creativity. I'll yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Speaking of the Dark Knight, you know, you worked really close with Heath Ledger. Um, how was he like as the Joker? Did he really, really immerse himself in that character? Well, yes, he did, but he was also a human being, so he would talk to you. I mean, he was the nicest guy. Yeah. He was. He was a very creative actor. Uh, he was very easy to work with. He was a sweet personality. I I love working with him. You know. Um, I have nothing but praise for him. I think it's a terrible, a terrible loss that he died. You yeah. know, to both humanity and uh, you know, and and and, and acting, you know, and you know, the film business. Yeah, yeah, it was a tremendous. He's really talented. Yeah, it's a big tremendous loss. He's a talented, transform- he's a talented transformational actor, and you know, yeah. they're they're far and few between. You know? yeah. Um, for the appearances you see Jared Leto in as the Joker, do you think he'll do well? Wow. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I wish I did, but I don't. It's, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, maybe I'm too old now. You know? <laughs> uh, I, I just, it's like those aren't the movies that I wanted to see. Last movie I just saw was uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which I really enjoyed. I've been, I've been working a lot the last two weeks, but I wanted to see it. Yeah. 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 And um, my final question to you, Keith: What would the Keith of today tell the Keith of yesterday? Uh, wow. Well, I tell him not to turn down Oliver Stone for uh, Wall Street. <laughs> oh uh, man! Oh man! You turned them down? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I had to. I was doing another movie at the time, and he came in, and I was I was doing uh, Walker uh, down in Nicaragua, an Alex Cox movie, and I'd read for uh, both Walker and and Wall Street, and Walker hired me, and so I went and I actually shot for like a month or so, and then I came back home in Nicaragua because I was sick, and I was home and back in New York for a week or so, and uh, my agent called and said, "Oh, good news." Uh, you, they, they, they want to hire you for Wall Street. I go, well, oh, great, you know, uh, and, and it could, it'll fit in the time that you're home now and you're hiatus right now. That I was always off for a couple of weeks for this movie, you know, at Nicaragua, and I was going to go back in a couple of weeks. But I had long red hair and a long and a, and a red beard, and, uh, and I go, well, I have long red hair and a long red beard, you know. And they go, well, we'll check with it, but it will, probably won't be a problem. Come comes back, all it says that. Oliver, I, my agent told me that Oliver says, or the casting agent said that, that I uh, had to have blonde hair and had to be clean shaven. And I said, well, then I, I can't do the part because I'm already established in this other movie. And uh, so I, I didn't do it. And uh, no, it was the James Spader part in it, you know, not, not yeah. a, the Charlie Sheen part. Uh, but uh, so I <laughs> cut to a year later. I go in to read for something else for Oliver and uh, same casting director Billy Hopkins and uh, and I had to do a New Orleans accent and Billy goes wasn't that a great New Orleans accent that he did Oliver and Oliver's looking at me and when I'd seen him before when I'd read for him for uh, uh, for Wall Street he kept he, I would read something and he'd say no can you read this he gave me a different side and I'd read them all cold and he goes you're the best goddamn cold reader I've ever seen he didn't like give me three or four different scenes and he goes, and, you know, and I went, well, okay, thank you. I guess that's something I could do. <laughs> and, and so I just come back to a year later, and I'm sitting there reading for him. And, and Billy's going, this is a, this is a great, you know, he did this great New Orleans accent. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember you. You turned me down for Wall Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't get hired for that other movie. Oh, that, that's an amazing story, man. Yeah, well, welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Keith, unplug your social media, plug anything you have coming up, any upcoming projects? Uh, well, there's a one-act uh, uh, play festival at my theater that's going to be coming up in, in May and June. Uh, I, we don't know what the plays are yet, but we'll know soon. And uh, uh, that's the Ensemble Studio Theater at Water Village, uh, Los Angeles, 3269 Casillas Avenue. Uh, and, uh, what else? Oh, I mean, and then, well, I'm doing a couple episodes of Supernatural right now. That's why I'm in Vancouver. But I can't tell you anything about it other than I'm in it. <laughs> okay, no problem. Hopefully we can talk again and we'll get, we'll get down to why are you doing that. <laughs> it's not a problem. Right. Everything is top secret. That's just the name of the game. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of people out there who want to want to find things out, or want to have that, you know, that that I don't know, that that that, that edge on someone else to know. Oh, I know this now. You know, but you don't know this. But yeah. you know. Uh, Keith, you're amazing. Thank you so much, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.